Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Just want to congratulate Husker Nation once again for showing up big time in support of the program in the spring game. Over 85,000 in attendance, 24,000 more than number two in the country. Go Big Red. Nice. Also with Boomer. Well, after kind of taking a look at events this week, I'm convinced with, uh, you know, about a 12-pack of Diet Mountain Dew, we could probably get Doc Sadler on next week on the podcast. <laughs> he's got some time he's and pop- certainly has the energy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's loving being back in Nebraska. It's like it's, It feels like he's going back home, really. Everybody's come, coming back home these days. I'm also with Mac. Hey, Redcasters. I just want to make a quick announcement that I would be putting my name into the transfer portal uh, just to check out and see what interest I have from other podcasts. Hopefully, though, if it, I don't get any bites, these guys will welcome me back. Yeah, we, we can put your scholarship at any time, Mac, so it's a big risk you're taking. All right, guys. Well, uh, spring game, right? We uh, were able to enjoy a lovely spring Saturday in Lincoln with 86,000 of our uh, friends and fellow Husker fans. Honky, I know you're at the game and there's a lot to take in there. Really, it's a big event these days. The biggest in the country actually now for spring games. We've really risen to the top. Uh, Your initial uh, takes on just the scene that was Lincoln on Saturday? Yeah, you wouldn't notice any difference between what we saw on Saturday, at least pregame, and what was kind of going on downtown, there wasn't any difference between that and any other regular fall Saturday. Uh, I took a f- couple of photos and posted them to social media as I was walking around. I had my sister and brother-in-law, and, and my wife was with me, and we walked by Berries, and Berries is packed up on the rooftop, and we went into the Haymarket, and all the stores are open, and you know the vendors are selling stuff, and it was just it was a really good day. It's a great day to show off the. The, the the town and a great place for uh, recruits to come and see and it was a beautiful day outside uh that that part you you definitely was nice to see after a long winter uh i do want to give a, a kind of a shout out to to husker vision just in general i thought they were it was really well done what they did with the uh, tunnel walk uh with the state of nebraska and, and the flooding uh they did a great job with that also it's great to see serious being played and they're not messing around with any of that they're just playing it so that was that was great to see and and again as i said my hot take to the fans eighty five thousand showing up you guys were the stars of the day so it was a great day overall for you and uh go big red you know mac it's interesting in the sense that we've had good spring uh, attendance for for years and years and years um going back to when we were in in college we had better than than most but you know, starting with Callahan and then Pelini, and it's gone up. We really now in the last couple of years, we suddenly started to charge. We seem to have actually increased the interest almost. It's like, oh, you charge for the spring game. We've gotten better attendance. Of course, that corresponds with having frost, but um, it does seem like Nebraska was a little bit behind some of the SEC schools in Ohio State. Had a, I remember Ohio State when Urban Meyer came back had like ninety some thousand or whatnot, right? Some real energy at some of those. But now we've gotten two years in a row where we essentially have a sellout and we're leading the country in spring game attendance. Uh, you think that's something that we're just going to continue from here on in? 
Yeah, that's interesting too because that's two years in a row, and it's two years following a four-win season. It's like that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. And I get it with the first year with Frost and and the excitement that he brought, but this year is kind of surprising after a four-win season. And and really, when they started talking about all the guys not playing, it was yeah, it was even less exciting. But you know, that's just the. Uh, you know, the fans in Nebraska football take that role pretty seriously. And when we feel like we can help in any way, like if it's a recruiting weekend or making a festival out of something like that, I feel like that we just jump on board with that. I get very tired of the whole, well, what else are you going to do in Nebraska on a Saturday? That's that's uh, that's just ridiculous. We have a great time. It's, it's always a blast. So, yeah, do I want to get together with some buddies and watch some football in the spring? Sure. Sounds like a pretty good time. To yeah, me. if you can if you can replicate what a fall Saturday is like in a, in a blue blood college football yeah. environment, why? No, I don't have anything better than that. No, I, I actually that's don't. True, that's I like actually don't have anything better to do than to go and watch a football game with ninety thousand people in an awesome environment tailgating. This is something that um, really I think Tim Cassie was a guy that was a director of ops for football about 12, 13 years ago with with Callahan, and he really helped kind of bring the, the the spring game to what it is today he he helped kind of push that he understood came from A&M and had some of that southern you know experience some of the other uh, uh, spring games that were around the country and and really could see that this was something that that could be uh, Nebraska fans could take to the next level and now that we're not having major construction every offseason that used to be the biggest thing with our spring game was that we couldn't sell it out because 20,000 seats yeah, were being redone but the last couple of years you know, we've had a full house and the stadiums, it, it looks great. I mean, the stadium, it, it, you know, Memorial Stadium's looking at its best right now. Yeah, and, I mean, but really, in well. fairness, isn't there so much more to do in Ames and Tuscaloosa in the spring than there is in Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> There's Boomer getting knocking Ames and getting us in trouble. You know, uh, Boomer, that joke was inadequate at best. And, uh, <laughs> and for any anyone that follows us on social media, we – we, we have a, a iTunes follower who thinks we are inadequate at best, which, to be quite honest, that's, I, we've I'm not been called convinced it's not my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can't know, neither confirm nor deny. That can be, it could be any of our wives. But I wives. feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh, uh, good no, stuff, She just texted me. Stuff. <laughs> well, let's, let's be uh, at our best here for the Spring Game Show Breakdown. Honky, let's start with the offense, and you know it probably wasn't the best day on the field for the offense, but we were missing a lot of the potential playmakers. Mac already alluded to that. Um, Maurice Washington, Wandell, um, Maurice, uh, yeah, Wandell Robinson, uh, etc. All missing. J.D. Spillman. I mean, the list went on and on. But what did you see out there that impressed you the most from the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, if you throw out the fact that probably most of our starting running backs and and receivers, you know, weren't there, it and our starting tight end was, was still not playing. Outside of all that, I mean, yeah, I thought our offense still. It, the, the main thing was that it performed well. It looked like it could function. You know, we had quarterbacks out there. Whether they were making pristine, perfect passes or not, wasn't as important to me as the fact that they were targeting the right guys. That they were. You know, that they can run this offense. We had two full sets of offensive lines that I felt physically looked like they could go out there and perform. Those are good signs there that there's progress being made in this offense. I, personally, I think I've heard too much about our running back situation looking so dire during this during the spring <laughs> even. I, I'm re-watching that, that spring game. I've re-watched it several times. 
and I thought Bradley at times showed well. Uh, Mazur looks like he can function and run in this offense. I know what I've seen from Miles Jones multiple times now, watching yeah. it at the coach's clinic and then seeing it again. There's some explosive play out of that position, even without the Washingtons and all those other guys, right. the Dedrick Mills that will be here. So I, I'm impressed. And, and most importantly, on top of everything, Martinez came out and did what Martinez should do in the, you know, the, the number of drives that he had. He looks like a quarterback that could be playing anywhere in the country. Yeah, I think that's an absolute truth right there. Mac, what were your uh, initial impressions? Hockey mentioned Miles Jones. That's one, one guy that stuck out to me as someone that could fill into that running back position if needed. Yeah, you know, I actually felt like him coming out of the backfield was where he was the strongest. There was a couple drag routes that he had on our, our starting defense, and he made catches right along the sideline, really good balls, and really good – uh, really good throws by the quarterbacks doing it. Every quarterback showed the ability to to throw on the run. I felt like that was a pretty strong uh, showing for those guys. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was intentional or not or if it was just the way the game flowed, but I thought we targeted the tight ends a lot, which I really kind of like based on the tight ends we have coming back. And Stoll didn't even play, but Austin Allen got featured quite a bit and for the most part did pretty good. You know, wide receiver, it, it still looks pretty open to me. Woodyard made some nice catches. Uh you know, still didn't see anything from Mike Williams. Jamie Nance looks like he's going to need to put on some weight. But it, it, it is what it is for spring. I mean, there's a big chunk of playmakers out of that offense. And so, yeah, you're looking at efficiency. You're looking at the balls getting thrown to the right players, are the choices and decisions being made correctly. You know, and for the most part, I would say that's that's I felt pretty good about that. The interior line spot, those are, those are concerns. Those are definitely concerns and, going forward. And some of the snaps, as we talked about last week with the uh, Coaches Clinic show, some of the snaps from the centers were all over the place, and that's what we saw the week before. Um, it will get better. Um, I did want to mention one thing you talked about, the receivers there. An area that doesn't get talked about is the blocking and the improved blocking, and that's an area that Walters has made such a big focus on. Uh, Chaz and SoCal, he follows us on, on Twitter, and we've been chatting back and forth a little bit. He's been highlighting some some specific plays on Twitter, and one of them was a screen to the right, and there was two receivers going out and blocking uh, one defender, one safety, I think, and then they combo blocked off of him, and the second receiver went out and blocked the, the corner after that, and we got about 10, 15 yards on just a basic side screen. And the reality behind that, the fact that the, we have two receivers, the communication to combo block on a guy, and then to, to – I mean, it looked, like, it looked like guard center blocking a dude and then somebody going downfield and getting a linebacker. That's, how, that's what it looked like with these two guys doing it. That's a huge step, and that's huge progress. And so I, I'm not going to get all crazy about stats off of, a, off of a spring game. I think Justin Fields at Ohio State might be a decent quarterback, and he just completed four 13 passes in, in their, their spring game. So I'm not going to get too wound up on that. I just I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of progress in areas. That's, that's what's important to me. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Honk. Let, let's uh, just kind of run through the positions relatively quickly and, and talk about each one individually. Quarterback-wise, we don't need to spend a lot of time on Adrian, but a quick pop quiz here, guys. Just name, like, one play that stuck out in your mind from, from Adrian that you are like, you know, that was impressive to you. Honky? Um, I guess I'll just say the the, uh, the uh, Warner pass for 50-some yards. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. perfectly placed ball, well-timed. 
Yeah, I think for me, the one was where he was getting pressure. He kind of put a move on the guy blitzing him, rolled to his left, and fired a strike to Jerome Woodyard dragging across in the end zone. I mean, that was, yeah. a, that was a classic quintessential A.J. Martinez. That's the play he doesn't make last year because he doesn't have a strength or the, or the foundation to, to make that throw because that's a long ball. And he, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was in the air for a while, but I mean, he drilled that in there, and I would still say his feet weren't completely set. So yeah. that to me was like, yep, he's fine, he's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right, uh, running back. We already talked about this a little bit, but maybe just pick out one guy, whether it's White Missouri or whoever, and again, maybe a, a player or two that stuck out in your mind of um, what the potential. Jalen Bradley is one that you know, we've talked about at length, and he did actually show up a bit in this game. It was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. I, I'm going to steal this one from Max, so you'll have to come up with something else. But the, the very first play of the game, or second play, one of the two, Bradley gets the handoff, and he goes for about, you know, what, 15 yards. But the cut he makes right off of yeah. Boodle. Yeah. And, I mean, he basically makes Boodle. I, I told you last week, I think he's the star of the secondary from what I've seen. Um, but he, he just makes him completely whiff. There's a lot of good things to be seen out of what Bradley did in that game. I know he his hands were a little suspect on a couple catches. He's got to improve there. But just his pure running ability, I thought he looked good. Well, and I, we talked about this before the show, but if, if, if you came into that game with no preconceived notions about Jalen Bradley and you just watched it, and you, I think at the end of that game you go, who's that 33? Man, he had a pretty good game. He had a couple nice jump cuts. He was, he was pretty explosive through the hole. Yeah, he had a few drops. But at the, at the same time, I'm like, he showed out for me the most. I'm like, we have some expectations of this guy. And I know we talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit, too. Everybody thinks he's just done, and we've got these three guys coming in. And, and that's, all, that's all she wrote for Jalen Bradley. But, I mean, I'm telling you, to put all your faith into the three guys that aren't even on campus yet, one with a knee injury, one who's got some behavioral issues and isn't even fully qualified yet, and the other guy's sort of a track guy that, you know, I hope is really good, but all I know for sure is he's really fast. I, uh, and then we got Maurice Washington, whose legal situation is completely up in the air. I don't want to lose Jalen Bradley. You know, like, yeah. or Wyatt Missouri. I don't want to lose any of those guys because I feel like we could use all of them. Even if everybody worked out, we're still one injury away from needing somebody like that. So. Yeah. 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 Good point. Good stuff. All right. Uh, wide receivers. Uh, anybody in particular, again, uh, a player or two that really stuck out in your mind on on someone who, who stood out in the spring game? Mac? You know, Andre Hunt, a couple times I saw him, like, targeted on sidelines, and he went up high for a couple balls. And, it, you know, I've heard a lot about him throughout the spring. I was hoping to see a little bit more out of out of just other wide receivers in general. I don't feel like I saw a bunch out of, but but what I did see were hands catches. I saw him going up and competing for balls. So I feel like uh, I was I was okay with wide receivers. Yeah, I, I like what I saw with Miles Jones, how they use him. There are a couple of plays where he'd line up in the backfield, two well, backs. He's good out of the backfield. Yeah, two, he's very good out of the backfield. Two backs, and then all of a sudden, you know, he would he would motion out, and then one time he was at the the slot, and that was the that was his uh, oh right along the left sideline. I think that was the pass from Bunch, and it was that really nice, you know, kind so of over with Dolan and coverage. Yeah, he toe tapped yeah. it right on the left yeah, side, yeah. and yeah. that's that's Jones. I mean, Jones, that's that Huskar again. Husk the hash, Huskar position. Hashtag Huskar, not the Duckar, <laughs> the Huskar position. Um, that's the significance of that role. When when guys can can be in the backfield, when they can line up outside, you don't have to rotate guys in to change formations. I mean, you can play 
so many different ways with the exact same personnel. And, and you can isolate defense def, defenders differently because he did – Miles Jones had drag routes against Mulberry, mm-hmm. and he had ones against JoJo Doman. And those are both linebackers on, on a Miles Jones. Those are mismatches. And you talk about, like, Wisconsin-type running or linebackers. That might be something – you or Iowa, yeah. something you could really mm-hmm. exploit. Now, I, I will say something that we – I'm not calling ourselves out on this, but last week we talked about how impressive the hands catches were – in practice and how much they focus on getting those hands out there, the triangle, catch the ball, bring it in. And in the game, in the game on Saturday, there were several tip balls, several balls that should have been caught that weren't. And that's problematic for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously you're not catching the, you're not catching the ball. And in this case, the deep defenders, you got to give them credit. Anytime that ball was tipped up in the air, it got intercepted. So that's, I guess you give a thumbs up to the defense there. But on offense, this is a tempo offense. And if you aren't catching the ball, you're not only not getting yards, but you're stopping the clock. It gives the defense a chance to get set up. And so we want clean football. Catch yeah. that ball with the hands. Pitch and, keep pitch it and catch is important to start. This. Yep. That's what gets everything going. Yep. And once that gets going, then we have the opportunity to put mismatches. We have an opportunity to isolate linebackers. You have an opportunity mm-hmm. to really spread and stress the defense out and make some big-time plays. I mean, and, that's not – that's not news, but I mean, like, but we're getting to a point where, like, I, you're just not near as much looking over to the sideline right before the play is snapped. They're looking over, Adrian's clapping, and, and they're getting ready to go. Yeah, and it, we didn't talk about all the other quarterbacks, and I don't want to get too far into that, but, like, one of the things that sometimes Bunch gets caught up with is Bunch kind of goes for everything. He's all or nothing. You saw it against Troy at times. It's an all or nothing thing instead of sometimes just taking that, that, that four yard out that's there. And that's what Martinez has gotten so good at. It's one of the things Vedral is very good about being a system quarterback and understanding is he'll take that four-yard completion because get it to your playmaker, let him make a play, and more importantly, don't throw the 30-yard route that maybe isn't as high a percentage if, the, if it's not there because then you drop it, now you're second and right. ten, you didn't get into, you didn't get into tempo, right. and it just it feeds off of, off of itself there. Yeah, well, uh, let's uh... – Maybe go to tight ends and then we'll go back to quarterback because I don't I know there's a few other names we probably don't want to talk about at the QB position but tight yeah. ends definitely some receptions there some names that we've talked about in the past Honky well I'll start with uh with the Aurora kid Allen um, the catch that he made and again it was in the first first quarter and and it was from Martinez and just it was everything from how Martinez on that play how he kind of looks off the defender that that brings the outside defender up which allows uh, Allen to get kind of into that that deep quarter, yep. you know, of the field. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah looking off into the flag. Kind of runs say, that yeah, flag route and gets gets into that deep corner of the field. But then it's the ball that's thrown to him. It's up high, and anytime you see Allen with his hands extended up in the air, same thing with Raftall, six seven, six eight receivers, and their hands are extended up in the air to catch the ball. That's a good thing. Yeah, for that's, sure. It's it, not it, breaking stride. It's like basketball. Dave, I know it drives you crazy when like you, they throw the ball into a six ten dude under under the rim, and then yeah. he, he puts the ball down to his knees. Like, why would you do it? Same thing with these six eight receivers. Get the ball up high, and that catch that Austin Allen had, where it was up high, that's that's exactly how we want to see him used. Now, while I'm giving him some love there, I'm also going to say that a little later in the game, there's a ball that tipped off his hands, and that was one of them that got intercepted. And if I remember right, same thing happened during one of the. Uh, practice plays that, yeah. that I saw, uh, like uh, on the, the on the coaches' yeah. show. It wasn't during the coaches' clinic that we went to. It was a previous practice, but there was one where it bounced off of Allen's hands and was intercepted by I think Alex Davis, and that was on the the Frost show, the Sunday night show. Point is, 
as much as much as I love Allen there, got to catch the ball too, right? So we need that consistency. So that's an area where we just keep getting better. But that type of pass that thrown to him, perfect. Love to see it. Sure. Mac, what about Legrone? Yeah, he he provides a different kind of body style back there. Didn't get used a ton, but he was thrown to, you know, and mm-hmm. I like that little bubble thing they did to him. You can tell he's a bigger body. He can absorb a little contact and still fall forward. So uh, it's interesting what the, what the tight end is kind of shaping out to be because I like Austin Allen, and he is a mismatch and everything like that, but he's not our front-line guy. Jack Stoll's our front-line guy. I'm surprised, you know, but but we saw Raftall, we saw Lekaterian, and we saw we saw Austin Allen fairly. I mean, I I think I saw Austin Allen drop three balls, and you know, in the tip and the interception mm-hmm. like that. But he was featured even on a couple scrambles that Adrian had. So I love the fact that they're getting mm-hmm. in there. You take a guy like that Jack Stoll that we talked about earlier that we think is a real kind of deal guy, um, and he gets featured. A guy you can you can trust a little bit more in that backfield. It gets to be it gets to be very difficult to kind of scheme out because a lot of times if you watch these concept plays, they send these tight ends out the, at the linebackers like they're about to block them. And then Adrian looks into the flat and then that linebacker goes into the flat and then the, and then the tight end just slips in behind him and we're, it's, it's, it's very exciting. I, 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 <laughs> I was getting worked <laughs> so up. So you're there. telling me you like that scheme. I really do. I think the tight end play is going to open mm-hmm. up huge for us. That's great. That's great. All right, let's go back to quarterback, and then we'll go back to offensive line. That's probably one of our bigger discussion points. Uh, Got to bring up Luke McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. First time we get to see him, and you know he he's is scrambling, and his straight line speed's amazing. Obviously, needs some work on the quarterback, but I I felt I was impressed with him. I've read everything on the spring game from all of the uh, local media, and I, it seems like everybody's kind of hot and cold, depending on your, your take. What's your thought on McCaffrey? Uh, huh? Justin Fields went 4 of 13 at the Ohio State game. <laughs> I, I, let's not get too crazy at a spring game about a guy. I thought that we had a pretty good read on, on McCaffrey a week ago, Mac, and I he he didn't unimpress and he didn't overimpress me in this game. He has incredible f- legs. He can run the ball. He's wearing a green jersey, yeah. so I think he feels probably a little more free to do some things running than you would in a normal game. Like, honestly, sure. I'd love to see him get out there next next year, play at least his four games. You know, get get your four games in, maybe still redshirt, and hopefully nothing else happens where he needs to play more than that. But I'd love to see him get hit in the game. That's I think that's a big step for a, a QB that likes to run around is he needs to get hit. He needs that – he needs a couple thumps on him, right? And – and where and how he'll kind of come out of that. But having said all that, there was one play where he rolled out to the left, and I was in the south end zone, so you know I'm, I'm looking north, and he's running, he's rolling out to the left, and he throws that one completion. God, maybe it was the Jones. I can't yeah, well, remember I who it was caught Miles it. Jones. And it was standing behind or sitting behind the play and watching it open up, that receiver wasn't open. He was not open, and McCaffrey threw open. him open. Yeah. McCaffrey threw the guy open. Yeah. That pass to be able to complete that. He'll be fine. He just needs more time. He needs more reps. And we said the exact same thing a week ago. Don't feel any different right now. He's in the right position, though. He is absolutely in the right position yeah, at quarterback. We don't, we don't need to talk about moving him around at all, in my opinion. I'm like, I, I will say I, was pleasant, I have been pleasantly surprised with McCaffrey. I, I, not so much what, from what I've seen, but what I've heard the coaches talk about. Because I feel like... I feel like, and I, we've talked about this a little bit, that these coaches are pretty straight shooters. They haven't really come out and, and, and blown smoke 
about some guys, and, and then when we finally see him, we're like, yeah, that's not how it is at all, you know. But McCaffrey's a guy that they are clearly in favor of being a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's bigger than I thought he was going to be. You know, his his command of the offense seems decent. He's for sure athletic enough to run this. Um, I, you know, for a while there, I was kind of viewing him as a sort of this developmental project quarterback and. You know, I wasn't concerned. We've got Adrian Martinez. Like, I look at Adrian Martinez as a four-year starter if he so chooses. So, like, whoever immediately backs him up isn't that big of a deal to me. But but McCaffrey's made it interesting enough that I'm like, wow, this, you know, if yeah. something were to happen, I feel pretty good about that position athletically. I feel like he's mature. I'm like, there's a theme with all of these guys, and it's hard work and determination to get better. And I, and I'm I'm loving that and the, the position he's playing quarterback the 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 difference he makes in how much stronger that room is versus Bunch who's a good guy mm-hmm. like and knows the offense but he is not dynamic I mean he lacks he lacks the playmaker gene well, you know McCaffrey's got it well right? and Dave I'll, I'll ask you a question here I mean how do you think Vedral looked in year two this is his second spring game now so we got to see him last year and, and we know his struggles in that spring game. But, you know, a year into right. it and just being more comfortable. I mean, how would you kind of feel just watching him? Because he kind of seems to be the clear number two right now. Yeah, it's, it does seem like he's the clear number two. You know, as, as someone who's not as much of an X's and O's guy, to, to Mac's point, I, I don't know if Vedral has a playmaker gene either, right? I I don't know if he has that, that something special that I'd really feel like if, if Adrian went down for a long period of time, he would – be able to replace um, and, and keep this offense humming at a, at a high level. Do I think he's an, a, a good system quarterback and he's far more efficient in this? I think he's a clear number two in that sense that he makes the right decisions, makes the right reads, he he makes the the short throws, all that type of stuff. I don't see him being dynamic, you know, throwing the ball downfield, etc. He's he's a serviceable number two, I think, and and that may be all we all we need in that position for the next three years to max. Yep, point. he made several plays. I thought Vedral looked as good at times running the offense as Martinez in terms of doing the right things, looking off looking right. off a defender, making that fake, you know, to to one guy and then throwing it downfield. I mean, he ran the offense efficiently the way that Martinez does. He just doesn't have some of the same talent and skills that Martinez does. But, hey, think of where we were at a year ago at that spot. Think of where we are now. My gosh, I mean, it's night and day difference. We have so much more depth now and, and guys. And then we're not even talking about Masker. Masker completed the one deep touchdown pass, too. I mean, sure. it's we're just we're in better position. And most importantly, I guess we should have, we sort of started the show off with this. No one got hurt. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's as right. important as anything. Right. They're wearing a green jersey for a reason. Well, let's uh, wrap up the offensive side with the O-line and take a little bit deeper of a dive on that. We talked a little bit about center already. But, uh, you know, I think this is obviously probably one of the bigger question marks. I, I think that the O-line, as Honky described last week, it looks bigger, looks better. But we're going to have to see the um, performance on the field. You know, guys, I, again, I've 
read absolutely everything on on the spring game and, and listened to a lot of other shows already. And so I don't want to be this to the dead dead horse really on on us because I think you can't put too much in the spring game. But it, it felt like it wasn't necessarily that they were just getting pushed around by the D line, but they were still making some communication errors and all that type of stuff. Do you just feel like that's just kind of uh, spring game stuff where they're not working this out quite yet and they're going to be a lot better on that come September? Or is that just something where they're not gelling right and they're not, not, I don't know. I, I I remember one play in particular early in the first quarter where I think, I think it was Damian Jackson. I think it, it looked like we had two guys blocking him and, and then suddenly they both go, one goes left, one goes right. And Damian Jackson just comes right through. And I'm like, they went from double teaming him to letting him right through and, and just sacking Martinez. And I'm like, that just seems like they didn't, you know, know what their their role was. You know, what yeah, I'm talking about? I, I think there's kind of a tale of two lines, honestly, from this from this game because I think what you see with that first team line going against the second team or third team in some cases defensive line, there were times to your point, Dave. There was just some miscommunications. There were just there were points where they just were a little off. It wasn't necessarily a talent issue, and I didn't look. I thought our tackles looked like looked exactly. like the looked like the stars of the of the line and, and where they should be right. And then you, you go to the second team offensive line, which, of course, is going against our top six defenders on the defensive line. And I thought the second team offensive line physically held up very well against them for the most part. We got some decent yard runs, 18-yard run that uh, Bradley had. And, and, and we were able to get some, some holes opened at times. So I thought that they held up physically pretty well for the most part. Um, having said that, I mean, this is an area we know – that the center spot is a work in progress. This whole entire summer is going to be a work in progress with that. And I was listening to Brandon Stye last week on, on 1400. He was on in the morning with, with Jack Mitchell and those guys. And Stye talked about putting on a lot of weight one year when he was young in his career here. And I think he said he broke his foot. And he goes, that happens sometimes when you put on like mm-hmm. 20 and 30 pounds. And he goes, so when he heard that, that Jurgens had had that injury – and Jurgens was putting on 30 pounds and everything, that that's I, – I, I caution people to put too much on Jurgens for next year no matter what. I don't even know if it's a good thing that he's a starting center for us next year. I really don't. Only because, my gosh, this is a kid that's never played the position before, and to think that, that we are so low at depth at that spot that he can just step in right away as in his redshirt freshman year, I hope that there's a – Full competition continuing on with Will Farniak and Forbes and Miller. I just hope there is. Well, I mean, you assume that there is, right? I mean, they wouldn't yeah. just put Cam in there for no good reason. I mean, sure. It, it, either the position's that thin, or he's good enough to challenge that they'll they're willing to accept some of his inadequacies, which he certainly has, and not because it's a lack of talent, but it is a brand new position for the guy. He's never yeah. played live. Ton of talent. Yeah, unbelievably talented kid. There's no. It, it's just more the. The concept that that, and he could he can absolutely be our starter this year. Let me let me preface with that he can be our starting center this year. I'm just saying that that's a position that I hope it comes down to the last week before we know who our starting center is. Uh, that's how long I want that competition to keep going and have another great summer. Cam get you know get stronger, get bigger. All those guys get stronger, get bigger. But it starts at the center. The communication starts at the center. And and that's gonna just that takes snaps. Hey, hey, Honky, you were second string center uh, on your high school. I was the eternal right? second team center. That's correct. 
<laughs> well, you know what it takes to be you know really good uh, center line play. Well, then right? I know what so, it takes to be a good backup center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess my question is: is like what what can Cam Jurgens do over the summer here? Obviously, it seems like this is one position in the line where you could work on your technique as a snapper, especially in the shotgun or, or pistol formation, to be a lot more accurate with that. Is that something that you would expect that he's going to get better on over the next few months? And then the mental side of it, Mac, I mean, like, isn't the center, like, making all the calls and whatnot, right? I mean, it, he's, again, it could make a lot of progression on that. It's just not a physical thing as the center. You're doing a okay, lot Okay, well, more. I'll start with the snaps as as the previous center. And, and Mac, you played, you played guard <laughs> and you actually played, so – so you can talk about kind of the mental side of it. But here, from a snap standpoint, we had two quarterbacks when I was playing in high school. We had two quarterbacks, and they were very distinctively different with how they – we weren't doing shotgun. They, you know, his hands under center. But they were very different with how they put their hands under you. One was three or four inches, you know, further <laughs> up, and the other one was well, – one guy was – I was singing Moon River with one guy, and the other, you know <laughs> – the other guy was far back, right? This is great. But the point is, if you're going to be a successful center in that situation, you need snaps. You need, and I'm talking muscle memory, hundreds of snaps with each of those guys to get to the point where you understand where that ball needs to be for each of them. Okay, fast forward to today, a completely different scenario. We're talking, you know, fast-paced, shotgun-based offense. You need snaps. Over the course of this summer, yeah. thousands of snaps – he needs to have, as they go through all of their different drills, their voluntary drills with, and I've got my quotation marks up, voluntary. But all those drills, he needs to do thousands of snaps. And I don't care who the quarterback is back there. That's what he needs, I think, from a physical standpoint. And he, and he also needs to keep getting into that office with, with, with Greg Austin to just understand calls so that he can say things. Right. And, and now I'm going to hand it over to Mac yeah. because for the other the other linemen, the communication, I mean, what do they need? Yeah, because that is the mental side of it, right? I mean, he's the center. He's got to make those calls right away. He's he's pointing out like where people are and at the same time, he's got to know his position, he's got to know what the other guys need to do and he's got to make a good snap and then he's got to go blow off and hit somebody. And and that's a lot to take in as a as a first-time player at that position, regardless of your talent level or not, regardless of your your, your work ethic, you know, there's just going to be some time to get used to doing that. And the good news is that we have some seasoned tackles, and that's 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 excellent, but the guards, you've only got Bo Wilson. Maybe he helps out a little bit, but, I mean, that interior is, is a concern, you know. This will be this will test Greg Austin, you know. This will test this will test Scott Frost, and we'll see what, yep. they, what they can do with those guys. You know, I feel like talent wise we never got i never saw us get beat physically during the spring game it was it was like you said it was like block for a second switch to go block somebody who wasn't there and then then that guy goes in and, and hits and then it's Damian Jackson hitting Eddie Martinez that's not a sack in the real world you yeah. know that doesn't really happen but it happened <laughs> in true. that game yeah. and and, that, and you know it's because of of mental breakdowns now that's spring ball and you can get away with yeah. that stuff now we can't be having this conversation in the fall you know, it, it can't or, – or, well, if we are having this conversation in the fall, then we need to adjust what our over-unders are for the win total for this yeah. year. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my thing with, with Jerkins right now. Love the kid, unbelievable talent. I think he, he will be our starting center at some point in his career, and he may be our starting center against South Alabama. I don't know. But what I'm saying is just from an expectation standpoint, this guy – has literally never played the position in a football game before. So the idea that he needs to be 
identifying where the middle linebacker is, where the nose tackle is, where the guard is, and all these. He has to do all these things and make while these calls. While running tempo. While running tempo. This is a guy that's the last time he played in a meaningful game, he was a tight end. So that's that's where I'm trying to break that down. Say it, and it's, in high school. And in high school. So <laughs> it's not that he can't be the starter. <laughs> And 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 if and did he make mistakes in that spring game? You're, you're damn right, he made mistakes. Yeah. And I hope people understand why and can comprehend why and still and still understand the potential in this kid. This kid has ridiculous amount of potential. It's just right now, right now, I think at times it looked a little rough. What other options do we have behind Jurgens? You already mentioned Forbes, Hunter Miller. You could move uh, Farniak no, Will Far- over. Will, I mean, Will like, Farniak. Yeah. It's Will, yeah, not Matt, mm-hmm. obviously. It's Will. But my, my point is, I mean, who, who do you think is our, our best next option if it's not Cam Jurgens? Right now, from what I saw at like the coach clinic, I thought Will Farniak yeah. certainly looked like it's he – 52 Hickson, or is it 51? Not positive there. With, <laughs> but Well, I'm trying to remember that. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there was Forbes that was in there, and – but. In general, I, it's going to come probably from those four. Now, obviously, at one point they had Desmond Bland that they thought was going to come in here. That's not going to happen. So, do you have the Iowa Western Juco? Oh yeah, guy Wagner, the the Iowa Western guy. I would not expect mm. anything from him right away on day one. I mean, that's just not. I wouldn't expect right. that. So, I mean, I think it's going to come from those four, and I think it can come from those four. I do think we have the 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 ability there. So it's we've got the the bodies. It's just we got to make it work. Just keep getting reps, keep getting better, keep doing what they're doing. They're on the right path. Anything else on the offensive line? It feels like the tackles are our strength there, obviously. Mac, I mean, what else do you want to see from that guard guard play come first game of the season? Um, You know, I I like the – you know what I've noticed in the offensive line that I've really enjoyed is just the nasty factor. I feel like that's gone up a lot where they're finishing blocks and putting them down on the ground and and, and really handling themselves like – you know, like a-holes, which I prefer for offensive line play. You know, like, you know, Zach Wigger, it's always kind of your your quintessential type lineman, and you, you, he tells these stories where you're like, you couldn't possibly have liked that guy if you were on the other team at all. And, that you know, a team <laughs> full of those guys as far as I'm concerned. Farniak, I feel like, is one of those guys. You know, maybe Wilson, you know, and Hymas. So, and I think, you know, the team takes on the the uh, the uh, identity of their coach, and Greg Austin, he's a tough guy, man. I feel like. Uh, the nastiness this team will play with, and the size that we're going to have going into next year should should help carry the day. I mean, it always helps when you got number two behind you. I hear you. I hear you. You know, Boomer, uh, some people might say that a team takes on the identity of its uh, place kicker. Uh, what do you think of uh, Barrett Pickering? Well, you can take uh, some pluses away from Pickering there. I mean, he made all of his field goals, and that's what you want out of a place kicker, isn't it? I mean, what else can you ask for? So, Point well that's taken. That's a definite plus there. Uh, yeah, we could talk about punting on, a, on the defensive side if you'd rather. But uh. Yes, so, but Barrett seems to be a, a lockdown uh, for the starting field goal kicker this year, so that's uh, something we don't have to worry about. All right, guys, uh, let's call that an offensive preview, and we'll head over to the defensive side of the ball. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, fellas, let's uh, hit to the defensive side of the ball and uh, break this down by position group. And we'll start in the trenches with the defensive line. Honky, let's uh, use the same approach that we did on the offense and pick out uh, one player and then a player or two from 
that that player that really stood out to you. So on the defensive line, who are you looking at the most, and uh, what stood out to you? Can't help but start with Darian Daniels. Mm. Just the guy looks totally different than anybody else on that line. He, I mentioned it last week. He looks like he's he's thirty five, right? And there was the one play <laughs> where he dove and made a tackle on it was either Jones or Bradley, but it was the fact that he fought off of a. Uh, uh, blocker, so he shows his strength, and then he makes a dive where, I mean, he literally, his entire body's off the ground, and he drags down a running back. That's the kind of stuff that you see that out of a out of a defensive lineman, that kind of talent to be able to do that. Um, this is a guy that's going to change the, the way that this team plays, especially up front. Hey, hey Hamaki or, or Mac, you could answer this too. Why is it that we don't have anyone else that looks like Darian Daniels? Is he just that unique? I mean, this is a guy who obviously was a, a very good player at Oklahoma State. He started, he was a, a leader, but he wasn't like all Big 12 or anything. But physically, yeah, sure, he looks like he's 30. But, I mean, is it is it something that, is it his, uh, is just his his physical abilities or the development that he received over the last four years that we're still trying to catch up on or why is he different than everyone else we have on the roster in the D-line or at least in the nose tackle position. That's a good question because he's a four-star coming out you know but a highly talented guy a highly recruited guy but I mean it doesn't necessarily make him any better than what we have on the roster but you know, sometimes it comes down to just personal drive and, and how much you're going to hold yourself accountable. And, you know, it's funny. He talked in some of his uh, interviews after practices about how much he uh, integrity he has as a person and how he carries himself and his work ethic. And I think that carries over. And I mean, the, the, the fact that a guy with that kind of talent is a hardworking, he kind of been there, done that guy and is willing to bring the rest of that team along with him, especially on that defensive line where you've got some characters, but not necessarily any killers like the Davis boys are like really talented, you know, and, and very athletic, but they're not necessarily mean, you know, but, it seems like the Daniels boys can be a little bit meaner. Yeah. You know, um, maybe it's the meanness factor. Yeah, I, I, I right? truly believe that. I feel like that's, a, that's huh? a, a key ingredient that's missing. Uh, you know, for me, a guy that stood out, and I, I don't necessarily, I'm not trying to set the world on fire here, but Casey Rogers looked good to me. Like, for a redshirt freshman, that kid's huge. Yep. You know, he's one of those guys that we were talking about earlier, like, He's the six 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 five frame, but he's going to be that two seventy now, and then in a year he's going to be two ninety, and he's going to be three ten, and he's going to be a monster. And he's already got really good hip bend. He's in there, you know, just not being moved around. We are going to have guys like a like a Darian Daniels, and like it's not going to be something we have to grad transfer. It's going to be something we grow. And then and we're talking about a guy who's familiar with the system, and when he's ready to play, he's going to do some damage. So, uh, yeah, the defensive line. Definitely, definitely showed out that week or spring game. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Anything else on the on the D line, guys? Nah, I think we hit it last week pretty well, good. I mean, I think, yeah, you've obviously got you know that, that six six guy rotation at least, and we can talk a little bit about uh, a seventh guy here yep. just a little bit too. Uh, linebackers, uh, probably a position that we don't have as much depth on. Honky, you want to start that? I thought Colin Miller really showed well. In the game, there was a couple of blitzes where he. We mentioned last week that we thought he looked like a Big Ten inside linebacker, and 
He had some blitzes where he just went right up against tackles or against guards and, 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 and blew through. This is a guy that I think he's a great complement to Barry in the middle. We didn't get to see Hannes uh, in this game, but I'm, I'm excited to see what those trio what those trio can do at the at the middle linebacker spot. On the outside part, it's the same three guys that we talked about last week. I think Doman and Davis and uh, Ferguson, mm-hmm. those three guys. I mean, I guess I almost feel like I need to like say like forgive me that I'm not as concerned about our depth at linebacker, but I, I'm I just mentioned six guys huh. for four spots. And I know injuries and stuff can happen, but I feel really confident with those six guys. Yeah. Are they absolutely perfect, pristine, you know, builds for every single, you know, position? Probably not. I mean, I, I guess the staff probably wants a, a linebacker a couple inches taller than Mo Berry, right? Mo Berry probably isn't the prototypical inside linebacker that the staff will go after in the future. But you know what? He's going to be a really damn good linebacker for us this year. So I just, I'm not that concerned about getting so picky about little bits of inches here and there. I think we have six really good linebackers for four spots. And then you want to hope that guys like Caleb Tanner and Breon Dixon and Jackson Hanna and Nick Heinrich, if he can get back and be healthy. I mean, there's other bodies too, but I just feel like there's a really good base of players, even at a position that is not our strongest. Yeah, and for me, oh, Mac, sorry, maybe. Well, oh, go I, ahead, I was just going to say, way. for me, that you know, that that position has been a bit of a a depth concern going into spring and even coming out of spring. But what I really like seeing is a guy like Alex Davis making progress and and a guy making plays. You yeah. know, he, in coverage, he tipped a ball and he picked it off. I mean. I know the quarterback was sacked, but it's green jerseys, and it was a live play as far as he was concerned. It was an athletic move, and I, you know, I watched him rush, rush the passer a couple times, and he got back there. So, like to me, to see some of those guys develop and get a little bit better, that is just about as encouraging as having like a Caleb Tanner or like a Breon Dixon, who I did see make some plays this yeah. last weekend. I feel like that gives me hope that what we do have on the team will at least be maximized, and if we can maximize what we have on the team for talent. Then that's that's a start, and, and quite frankly, it's it's new because we have been underachieving as far as I'm concerned on the talent that we have. So if we're now maximizing what we have, I'm 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 pretty okay with that. Yep. Sure. It, let me ask you this question. So Honky, you mentioned that we may not have all the players with the the right height and weight that you typically would want in a three four, right? And I think that typically lands on their, our outside linebackers right now, for example. And maybe Alex Davis has the right dimensions, but maybe he doesn't have the right skills per se. But I, I was I watched the spring game again just before the show, and I'm, I'm seeing Alex Davis come up to the line. And he's essentially a fourth lineman there. He's standing upright, but he's he's been brought up to the line of scrimmage. And that happened several times mm-hmm. in the first quarter. And so, you know, we, we get all this tied around in a knot on whether we run a 3-4 or a 4-3 mm-hmm. thing, right? And could, could you guys walk me through a little bit on, like, so when Alex Davis comes up and, and there's suddenly a four-man front there, but we started in a in a three or whatever, is there a difference significantly between a, a true 4-3 and a 3-4 that you've just brought up an outside linebacker into that fourth position, like from a gaps or responsibility standpoint? Because ultimately, when Alex Davis comes up into that 
that position, we have four guys on the line, and that's what he was recruited to do in the first place was to be a DN. So I was just wondering, is there a huge difference between a, a true 4-3 and a 3-4 that becomes a 4-3? I think that's a, a really good question, Dave. And it's to me, it's kind of the old, back in the early 90s, hey, we ran a 5-2, or did we run, run a 3-4? I don't know that it really matters, right? We're just calling it a different number. <laughs> is Trev Alberts and Dante Jones, when they're outside linebackers in a 5 Two is that any different than being outside linebackers in a three-four? Right. Well, the difference became when we switched to a four-three, and all of a sudden those Dante Jones and the Trev Alberts and the Dwayne Harris's went from being stand-up to putting their hand on the ground. That became a difference. Um, is there a difference between a four-three and the three-four right now with with uh, you know like an Alex Davis on the outside? I mean, he's coming up and he's basically at times becoming the equivalent of a defensive end, but he's in a stand-up position. He's not putting a hand on the ground. That's about the extent of what I can say. There, I saw times where the where the three man front completely, uh, you know, motioned over, went over a full gap, and you would have three defensive linemen where the defensive end was basically straight up on the guard, the nose tackle was straight up on the other guard, and then the other defensive end was was on the was on the uh, tackle on the side. But the point is, nobody on on one side of the ball, nobody on the defensive line was any further out than the guard. And the guy that came up and played that defensive end role basically was a stand-up outside linebacker, right? It's they're they're jockeying for positions, they're moving guys around, they're doing things, you know, just from a, a scheme standpoint. But yeah, it becomes the same thing. You still have to cover the same gaps and how you're doing it. That becomes more of a personnel issue where if you're going to bring up an outside linebacker and play him as a DN, that's where it's nice to have guys that fit that size to be able to do that. That might be where it's tougher sometimes for a, oh, I don't know, a Jojo Doman or mm-hmm. Breon Dixon, maybe somebody that's not the, the ideal size See, for the Dixon role. Dixon to me is the most out of position in terms of height weight. You're talking about like six foot, 205, 210 outside linebacker. That just does, he sounds like a safety to me. Yeah, and I... And some of that, too, is I think it's it's good to have players of different sizes and speeds and different skill sets based on the spot that you are in the game. Hey, it's third and ten, and we need a pass rusher. It's, it's, it's fourth and two, and we need to go line it up and, 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 and go up against double tights, right? You need different players for different different situations. I feel like we have enough of that right now. I just... Everything we were on defense a year ago, we're just better at right now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's any position where we've taken a step back. Right. And I know on offense right now that's a concern. People are like, "Well, running back, we don't have a Zigbo receiver. We don't have, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, Morgan defense." I don't know of any position where I'm like, "Well, we're not going to be better than we were a year ago." Mm. At any spot, I don't care linebacker. I don't care defensive backs. Obviously, D line. Everyone knows that we're going to be better there. Yeah, we're going to be better across the board. How good yeah. that is, we'll find yeah. out. Well, right. Yeah, speaking of that, secondary, a, a position of, of concern last year seems like a position of strength now. You know, start with there with the, the uh, safeties. Oh, uh, who stood God. out to you? Mac, what were we I, just saying before I, this? You know, Deontay Williams, it was funny. He was an interview uh, the week before the spring game, and, and uh, somebody asked him, I think it was Sipple, asked him, he go like, when will when will the, the crowd see that, that ooh moment when they feel like this defense has really turned a corner? And, and Deontay goes, when I hit somebody, <laughs> they're going to go ooh. And then, I, you know, fast, fast forward to, uh, it's like fourth and one, 
They hand the ball off to Miles Jones in the backfield. Deontay comes up and just plants that guy, oh, yeah. you know, and the crowd goes, yep. ooh. And, and Deontay just walked through him and off the side. I'm like, that is a different kind of safety than we've had for a minute. Mac, what did we talk about right before right before we got on here, Mac? We looked at, at Deontay Williams. We're watching the, the, the game. And he's number eight. And what did he look like at number eight? Oh, yeah. You look like Tyrone Williams. Okay. He did. And then the other safety, Dismuke. Dismuke looked like kind of a Tony Velen type. He just looks the body style and frame. I mean, they. Yep. You know, he had a pick. And it was the other thing. It's like we talked about every tip ball seemed to get picked off, but it didn't just get picked off. It got returned. You know, like it got picked up and the guys plucked it out of the air and immediately went the other direction. Like you can see that training that is being ingrained into them yes. now. And the guys are turning and immediately looking for somebody to block. So, like, it's really it's really fantastic to, to see that corner been turned defensively because that'll change, you know, all the stats we want to talk about and, and the fact that, you know, the offense is going to have these stats and the defense is going to put up, you know, allow this many points per game. But those turnovers, that's going to be the biggest key. It, there's a reason that we talked 35 minutes or however long it was on offense and we're only going to try to limit this to 10 or 15 on defense is because everyone wants to talk offense. But what's the role of the defense? Get the ball back to the offense. That's the hashtag Shenander effect, the hashtag Fisher effect. Those coaches want to get the ball back to the to the to the offense they're willing to give up some yards we talked about that for the last year they're willing to give up some yards if it means turn around get the ball and to your point there mac when the offense didn't do their job when they didn't catch the ball like we said that they were catching last week when they didn't and the ball got up in the air the defense made them pay and that's the best thing that i can it's one of the best things i can say that came out of that game if you're going to screw up on offense that yeah, defense I didn't see any take advantage interceptions. Of it. I didn't see any dropped they interceptions. They took advantage. That's all we had last year. They took advantage of every single opportunity the offense gave them, and good on the defense. Good for the black shirts there. And that's that's something the offense needs to clean up. Don't drop the ball. You know, don't let that ball, you know, get past those hands, because you got to expect the defense is yep. going to get it. Yeah, I, I think it's important to finally have some consistency there from a coaching perspective too, right? I mean, they finally have someone for second year. has to make a difference at some point. Uh, Cornerback play, uh, Boodle, Jackson, anyone else stand out to you? You know, Cam Taylor is going to be – he's an interesting cat. I feel like – you know, I almost feel like they're grooming this guy to be like a – like a Peppers from Michigan. It seems like they're kind of using him yeah. all over the place. He's got some special skills. They're letting him return punts. You know, they're 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 truly uh, trying to get this guy as involved in the game as they can. I I personally felt like the corners were as physical as I've ever seen. Lamar Jackson came up on a play on a uh, I think Jalen Bradley. Then I've seen Jalen Bradley juke a few guys in that game. Yep. Lamar Jackson came in. It was an open field tackle, just blew Jalen Bradley right up. I saw uh, DiCaprio Boodle. You know, I know he's not as big as some, but fighting off blocks, getting in there, diving in submarines on some uh, on some bubble screens. Like, he's ready to play. Those those guys in the secondary have taken what Fisher has said to heart, and that is it's going to be a open competition. Nobody's job is safe, so you better come to play. And that's what I feel like they all kind of did. Yeah, and I think Eric Lee is going to be a guy that's going to be a contributor on this team next year. I don't know exactly how. Yeah, Finally. I mean, you know, he started at times as a corner in the past, but he's put on some good weight. He he looks a little bit bigger. We mentioned it last week. There are times he almost looked like he was a nickel guy. They, they, they're they saying he's a safety, so I'm sure that's 
probably what the role he was in in the defense that we're talking about. But there were times I saw him lined up in that coach's clinic scrimmage next to um, Muhammad Berry. I mean, he almost looked like a linebacker. So, again, everything's situational and where you where you get on the field based on what the offense is doing and, and everything. But the point is they've got some bodies that they can kind of move around and, and play around with. It'll be interesting to see how a guy like Noah Pola Gates, mm-hmm. you know, gets – you know, Who they're starting point. at corner, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and, and some of these guys are going to come in here that hmm. that are young. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Wright and mm-hmm. and I mean, there's there's Farmer, Farmer, uh, Braxton Clark. I mean, yep. there's younger guys there too. But I think the guys that we've talked about first, especially those safeties, it is. I just have so much respect for what Duvall has done with these guys and what these guys have been a part of this program for a couple of years. It's really hard for me to see true freshmen just come in and unseat these dudes. I mean, that's, it's yeah. the best, it's the yeah. best credit. Right. The coaches always talk about, we're going to recruit better players than you. And I absolutely believe they, they will. But at the same time, your role as a leader and your role as a player on this team is to teach those guys how to play the position and to ensure that they never take your role from you. And I looked at this Muke and I looked at, at Deontay Williams and I saw two guys that, they're not giving up their spot. And I look at Boodle and I look at, at Jackson. I go, those guys aren't giving up their spot. Right. So good. Taylor's, the, not, Taylor's the, not going anywhere. Yeah. Let know? the competition begin for all those, those incoming guys. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, roster wise, you mentioned we have some incoming guys, obviously, but there's a few guys. I mean, who are, who are we missing from an injury perspective that you do expect to contribute this season that just weren't, weren't there at the spring game. I, you know, like you mentioned uh, yeah. Nick Heinrich, but CJ Smith. I mean, who else was probably Cameron like, Jones. You know, that's a guy I've kind of been waiting to see. Cam Jones. Yeah, CJ yeah. Smith's another one. I've been really interested to, to like, wait for that light bulb to click. Nick Heinrich, obviously. Um, yeah. And Hannes. I mean, Hannes is the guy that I, you know, well, and Tate we Wilderman's another too, guy yeah. on the defense that I think would be, that's a, that's a big name recruit that we're kind of waiting yeah. on. Although we, it's a it, position of not so much need, but still. Yeah, and we saw Wilderman a week ago. I mean, he was playing in that scrimmage, or he was playing in that practice a week ago that he didn't play last week. Um, but yeah, you know, there's. I, I think we saw most of the guys on the field that are going to be the guys that are going to be out there when we're playing South Alabama right. and Colorado. I mean, I I didn't feel like we we missed a whole lot and. You know, defensively just, on the defensive on, side, on the defensive yeah, side. Sure. and I I think we have yeah we've made huge strides uh, on that side of the ball from where we were at one year ago to today. I mean I I think this is this is a defense that can win division titles for you, and I think that's something that maybe a year ago we couldn't have said. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yes. <laughs> A boomer special teams. You can't see a whole lot in a spring game. You're not expecting a, a full-on you know kick return, punt return game. But uh, Isaac Armstrong, any anything on the on the special teams you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, the punts were okay. I guess it's again like you said, it's it's a spring game, so you're not going to get any returns. So there's nothing really to see there. I'd like to see some better punting than what we did. I think averaging was probably, if you looked at uh, Armstrong and Walker and Lightborn, I think punting, I think if you grouped them all together, they're averaging about 36 yards a punt. You know, there were no returns, so that's about 36 yards net. Yeah, that's awful. Give or take, and, that, and that's not good. That's worse than last year, and that was not good punting. <laughs> I think we were at like a 38 
and a half for something yard average uh, last year. So, and, and we talked about that a bunch, you know, last season and the season before, how important that is to just flip fields and get that starting field position back in your favor. So that's something they really need to figure out. I mean, it's it's been a problem for Nebraska for years now, and hopefully yeah, it's just, Isaac, yeah, that spring game kind of foibles. And it's funny. I mean, Armstrong looked really good for the second half of last season. But he didn't look necessarily good in the spring game. But it's a whole different ball game when you're actually really, really punting in a real game situation. Yeah, so, it is. So we'll, we'll, we'll hope. Hopefully, that'll take some strides this year. But you know, again, it's special teams has its own challenges. You know, with the with the coach out that was going to be coaching special teams, everyone's kind of picking it up, and That's hopefully, true. it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, boomer, boomer, yep. out. Mm-hmm. Pickering, man. What? How? How are you feeling right now with that? You know, we we covered it earlier. He's making his field goals, made his extra points. He had what uh, I think a forty-five yarder, give or take. I think for a field goal. Yep, so sounds about right. You know, if you got a guy that can make field goals forty-plus yards, can't can't complain. Yeah, about I that. feel like I feel. I mean, even the, in the Iowa game last year, he made a, a plus fifty, didn't he? But I mean, I, yeah. I, he's probably a little if, iffy on his distance. But anything forty-five or in, I, you got to feel pretty darn good. And you know, it took him a little while to. Uh, kind of get used to the college game, but uh, he finished the season really well, and, and hopefully we have him solid for the next three years. I, yeah, I think so. And, and just a question for all you guys, just one of the things I took away from the uh, spring game. Are you guys concerned at all about the penalties that we had again? Because, I mean, granted, it's a spring game, so you're going to have some, but there seem to be quite a few again. Is that yeah, a concern again? Yeah, offensive line again yeah. was one of those. I didn't see any, like, there wasn't any sort of, like, late hits or personal touchdowns. Well, we stuff, had a touchdown it? that was called back. The very first touchdown was called back because we had six guys so on the line. The back, and yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's yep, again, that's right. I mean, when you're, especially when you're going fast, you're running tempo, you got to be able to line up right. It's one of the most basic things to do, but, but it's hard to do when you're lining up fast and you're doing tempo. And so those are things that, that are clearly important, and, and we've got to be able to, to run that that kind of scheme. Now, having said all that, again, in spring ball, you're running sometimes where you have um, lineups of t- players that aren't always yeah, going to be I mean, normally playing with each other. I mean, there's a lot of variables right. that go in there, but, but right. you got to line up right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say this. Thanks for we that. Get, we got some breakdown. We're shaking analysis here at the Goody that, That's what it's about. Yeah. It's like, you got to line it's up right. You got to line up not correct. turn the ball over. <laughs> Now, Boomer. Yep. You should you should wear all of your equipment <laughs> when you go out into the field. Have your helmet on. That, that's very true, too. Now, Boomer, I do want to say this from a special team standpoint, and you are our special teams coordinator. Um, I truly believe at this point we have learned this officially. Never, ever, 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 never, 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 ever, 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 ever. I don't know if I have enough evers. We don't need to <laughs> offer punters scholarships coming right out of high school. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just correct. Look, kickers. I I get it. You know, sometimes I think you do. Sometimes you don't. I mean, Alex Henry didn't need a didn't need a uh, you know uh, scholarship right out of high school and so on. But punters, especially. Mm-hmm. My goodness. I mean, I, you know, Sam Cook and and Kyle Larson and Jesse Cush and and Sam, Sam Foltz and now we've got Isaac Armstrong. We don't need to offer these guys scholarships no. right out of high school. Right, yeah, that's that's another takeaway from the Riley era. Just another unfortunate thing. Uh, you know, we hadn't talked about it yet, but you know, Lightborn entered the transfer portal, and you know, yeah. I, I always kind of felt bad about before that kid because he was kind of put in a tough spot. I mean, he wasn't 
supposed to start punting when he did, you know, with the unfortunate, you know, events that happened with Sam Foltz. And then, it's true. And then having a, a special teams coach that I think I spent more time in the, on the practice field than he did. So, um, <laughs> you know, Bruce Reed, wherever you're at, hope you're listening to this because I know you're taking the time off of coaching to actually do so. So that's good. So <laughs> he was put in a tough spot. And I think, you know, kicking is one of those positions where once your confidence goes, it's really, really, really hard to get it back. And, you know, things kind of snowball pretty easily there. So, you know, Ledbourne always had a tough time here, and hopefully he finds a good spot, a good fit for him and, you know, make something happen with his with the rest of his career in college. So. Is he a graduate transfer? No, nah, he's only going to be a no, fourth-year guy next so year. So he's still. So. Yeah. Okay, so he would have to sit out a like, yeah. year, actually. Interesting. Well, the NCAA has given me three waivers already, Dave, so I mean, I'll probably <laughs> give him one too, so. Well, you know, he did lose his uh, not only Bruce Reed, but then uh, Diaco's coaching. So you know, that's true. Totally yeah, yeah. hardship. Diaco was sort. an outstanding punning coach. Actually, it was his best year. It was. It was. He was. He was. Yeah. Year. If anything, he should maybe. just go over where Bobby D's at, and he'd be fine. It, yeah, he should probably market himself as that more than any D coordinator, just special teams coach. <laughs> now, Dave, might be the way Dave, to go. Yeah. I could throw out. We had a mailbag question from from Redcaster Corey. Yeah, go for and it. this kind of is along the same lines of what we're talking about here. How many walk-on players have made a case for a scholarship? Um, I'll, I'll throw that out to you and Boomer first because Mac and I have been doing a lot of the chat. And so if you kind of think about this, you know, right now we're at 84 scholarships. And that includes the fact that we just lost Lightborn and we just gained uh, Jakeem Green, one of the recruits. He's the – and he accounts right. towards the 2019 class. He's the defensive tackle. Um but we're at 84 scholarships right now, and we've got a number of guys that, that have, are on walk-on that, that, that have earned them, basically. But, you know, so how are we going to make all this fit? And I, I think we're still expecting a couple more guys to probably transfer out. That's kind of what the portal is all about anymore. But, I mean, if you guys – I'll start with you, Dave, and then Boomer. If there's some guys who, who have earned those scholarships, whether there's one available for them or not, who's earned them out of those walk-ons? Well, you have to start with Isaac Armstrong because he's actually played a significant amount last season already. And then on the offensive side, you could say Cade Warner. And then a, a bit on what we're seeing from a, a depth scenario there that Trent Hickson looks like he's starting on the offensive line, even though he hasn't played that much. But, I mean, I would definitely think that he's probably earning one. Boomer, help me out here. Who else? Uh, I think Missouri would be up for a yeah, scholarship. Yeah, absolutely. And is Bunch? He's no, not on scholarship, is he? Either. Or is he Bunch is walk on? I guess he might be one you'd maybe consider. I mean, he's played games for us. He did start a game last year. You know, whether we expect him to be the backup this year, I don't know. But I, those would be a couple names yeah. that spring to mind anyway. But yeah, yeah. they've had a few of the others, like Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the long snapper that we have, um, Urbach. Urbach, yeah, he'd be another But, you know, he's a long snapper. So think about that right there. Yeah, but that's a a lot, really. That's six guys. You just said Armstrong, Hickson, Warner, Urbach, Missouri, Bunch. That's six dudes, and we're at 84 right now. And those are six dudes. I agree with everyone you guys just said. And that means that we have 90 guys that are quality and, and, and worthy of that scholarship and that would require, in order to give every one of those guys a spot, that would require five more guys to enter the portal. I'm not 
saying that five more guys will, I do think a couple more will. I don't know, not even projecting who those guys would be, but I do think at least a few more are. That seems to be the trend today. But, um, you know, that's there are guys that, that, that are, are worthy of, of that spot, and there's not necessarily a spot available for them right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, it doesn't, you know, we usually have that traditional uh, wide receiver outside of Key Warner that's like in-state guy that would normally like fall in that category, but I can't think of anybody right now that's like Reimers last year, for example. Mm. But it's interesting. Yeah, I think we have some young guys that fill that role, and I, I can't mm-hmm. think of the kid's name, the, the guy that caught the touchdown pass from, uh, oh, Masker. Um, shoot. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately forgot. But point is that we have a big enough walk-on group that's been now one to two years into it. it that's only going to grow from year to year to year that we're going to have a lot more of these names that, that could fall into this open scholarship kind of kind of discussion. Yep. All right, good stuff, guys. Anything else we want to cover? All right, let's close the football talk and move on to basketball. Nebraskaball. All right, guys, let's talk Nebraskaball just for a few minutes because Fred Hoiberg and his his gang of assistant coaches have been busy. Uh, Let's start with those assistant coaches, actually. Uh, He has rounded out his entire staff. And he has actually feels like exceeded that $1 million mark because he has a special assistant, Bobby Lutz, I believe is how you pronounce that, former head coach Charlotte uh, as his special assistant. Then you have Matt Abdelmassi, who is his recruiting star, uh, highest paid at 380 And uh, Doc Sadler's back at, at Nebraska, which is something that is kind of mind-blowing here if you think about it. Doc left the head coaching position at Southern Miss uh, to come back as an assistant coach. He did work under Fred at Iowa State. But the fact that Nebraska basketball has come this far and uh, someone who was our head coach less than a decade ago has come back as an assistant coach because we have raised our salaries so much uh, and have different expectations is really interesting. We've also retained Armand Gates, another recruiter and very familiar with Big Ten play. Honky, got to be excited with the overall talent of our assistant coaches. Yeah, I think uh, everything so you just said, I mean, it's a, it's a good blend of a lot of different skill sets. You have a couple of guys that have been past head coaches with Lutz and, and Sadler that are assisting right now. And, you know, Sadler's a defensive guy. Obviously, Hoiberg provides the offensive you know side of it. Abdel Massey and Gates provide young recruiters. Uh, Gates is the kind of the transition guy from last year's team and those players to this yeah. year's team. He also is the Big Ten knowledge that uh, he has, that Big Ten knowledge being at Northwestern and now at Nebraska, that he can help with this team. So there's just there's a lot of good skill sets with this group. It's a good – I think it's a good starting staff here, and I think, uh, you know, Hoiberg's very comfortable with these guys. Boomer, you know, one thing that's I've thought of with the hiring of Doc was that one of the additional advantages or roles that he can play is to actually do some of the interviews 
that Fred may not want to do. Like, you know, the halftime interview, for example. This is like Coach K at Duke always hands it off to one of his assistants, right? I could totally see Fred just like, go talk to Doc, and Doc will, you know, give some great sound bite, right? You oh, know what I, I'm saying? Hell, I expect Doc to elbow Fred out of the way, to be honest with you. I mean, this is, uh, he's going to love every bit of this. This is exactly up his alley. I mean, he's the perfect kind of guy for this to be that just that spokesperson for a program. Uh, you know, hell, he loves it here in Lincoln. He never bothered to change his phone number. He's still at a 402 area code, is yeah. what I was told, you know. Uh, it's amazing. You know, after all this, which is amazing. So, you know, now he's, you know, he doesn't have to worry about, the, you know, those, you know, minor details about a basketball team like offense, you know, like he talked about. That's uh, right. That he doesn't have to mess doesn't with that anymore. It. It's, he's, he can have a perfect role as an assistant here, making when he made it Southern Miss. And Fred can actually focus on, you know, things like recruiting and actually scoring points and things like that that we've never been able to do for quite a while here. So this might be the you know, actual team we need uh, as far as coaches. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know some of our basketball breakdown has been viewed as inadequate. At but, best, Dave, uh, at best. So. At best, but I, I do believe that Fred Horberg does know offense, and he knows uh, efficient offense and uh, offense that has great tempo. And someone that might be able to help deliver that is Gervais Green, who he has been able to uh, keep on the hook, the uh, Western Nebraska CC a JUCO player, who I think the third-ranked JUCO player in the country, is um, and came came by for the spring game, and is you know back on board 100% honky. Uh, that's got to be a a good thing yeah, to see, between right? Having Green and then Burke, who was the transfer from last year, that yeah, those two coming back and right away kind of being your guards at least right now. I mean, I'm sure they'll go and they'll bring more guys in, but. But just those two guys, you know, as a as a starting point, that's a that's a really good sign for us. Uh, Sadler, you know, talking about Hoiberg, he says he's he's a as good as an offensive coach as there is, and I don't have to tell you that that's not one of my strengths. Uh, that's that's a gr- <laughs> we that's know a great sign. From, <laughs> it's a great statement from Sadler, who is that defensive guy. Doc also talking about Roby. Says that he would fit well in Hoiberg's system, and he goes, "That guy's game would be expanded so much, it'd be incredible." And if you think about that, with Gervais Green and with Burke and with Roby, I think those, to me, those are the three most important guys moving forward to next season, right away. If those three guys are the nucleus of a team, I think you can build from that. And I know there's going to be a ton of recruits and transfers and everything that can get added to that. But if you can have those three guys as a base, that's that's a good place to start from. Yeah, I think they could be relatively competitive in the first year, and we're, we're not expecting, um, uh, you know, a, a tournament team in year one. But I, I think it was Seth, Seth Davis, who obviously has gone hot and cold on Nebraska in the past. He had a, his two early top 25. He had Nebraska receiving votes in his, like, 44th mm-hmm. or something like that, which is like – it's a bubble team, essentially. He was saying, and so that I mean, if we somehow would land yeah. in that type of range, we don't even know who the heck's on our opinion. team yet. I mean, to to, to call us a bubble I know. team, I know that's great. I'm like, how and do you details? Do Seems crazy. Details. But, uh, so we had we've had had a bunch of recruits on campus last weekend for the spring game. Sounds like we're gonna have another four or five this weekend. Uh, I think we'll start to see this uh, kind of transferred JUCO uh, class come into focus really quick for Nebraska, and we'll have a better idea of what the roster is going to look like uh, for summer, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, practice and, and moving into next year. So if I can't say stuff. one thing about basketball, it did its job allowing football to, to get its work done and be in the background. We are a football school. We know that basketball, whether we made the tournament or not, it's a, it's a moot point in the fact that basketball took front court and allowed football, all that work to be done in the background. So I, I, I do want to give, I guess, credit to basketball for that. Um, Two other things I think that are just basketball-related have nothing to do with the, specifically with the team, but one of them was the new court design. Uh, we have the uh, – I oh, like yeah. how the athletic department did it. They put it out on social media, let, let the fans vote on it. So it's going to be like an outline of the state of Nebraska with the script Huskers in the middle. I like it. That's what just, I voted for. Yeah, just for what it's worth. And the second thing, um, there's talk of – or actually uh, they announced that there's a Lincoln Hotel getting built at like 9th and, and – oh, it's going to be a Holiday Inn Express, so it should be lovely. Um, but there's a restaurant and stuff in it, so it's like a full-service one. And by my count, I think that puts us up to like eight full-service hotels that will be in the downtown Lincoln area. And as far as basketball goes, I think that puts us in the category of being able to get a – NCAA tournament like in the next several years for first yeah really that's interesting yeah so it meets the threshold for the uh type of hotels necessary with a certain radius because there's one more hotel that's also being built right now that's uh just to the east of uh, embassy suites but the point is i was counting it up and i think that's eight and i i think we're at least in the category of being able we're being eligible right now we're not even eligible until you get enough of those built so. right Basketball right, related good stuff. Yeah, speaking speaking of that court design and going to through social media, Boomer didn't they try to do that for the state license plate a couple of years ago and it was a huge disaster? Well, yeah they they chose a image of the sower that had some questionable <laughs> uh, presentations right. on it. So I hopefully they learned a bit from that. So. It wasn't even the right <laughs> sower. It was Michigan State's. No, no, it wasn't. And yeah, he was he was well endowed. Let's but it, it was the it was like. A Michigan, it was on the Michigan State campus was where that sower was. That so they used the wrong one. He was, well, it's a long ways to go up to the top of the state capitol to look hockey. So that's the yeah. best they could do. So. Minor yeah. details. Uh, well, I'm glad they, the court turned out better from that perspective. Well, they haven't finished it yet, Dave. So there's plenty of time for that to go awry. Oh, so, yeah. oh, right. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, all right. Only other thing I wanted to cover uh, in this this awesome show is Husker baseball. Okay, I think he had a tweet or two out um, earlier this week. Nebraska swept Penn State at three straight uh, sweeps. Well, not three straight sweeps, but three total sweeps we've had in the Big Ten play already. We're 10-2 and two in conference, and that was a sweep on the road. So that was great. We went and lost again midweek here uh, tonight versus K-State. So concerning from an offensive standpoint, but from a Big Ten play standpoint, we're in really good shape. Need to keep winning. And RPI is overall in good shape, too. So there's a lot a lot of look forward to on that baseball team. Boomer, uh, you're, maybe you're just super quick thoughts on the team? Uh, winning the conference, you know, that's the important thing. Let's start with that. You know, we're number one in conference. Let's keep winning those series that we need to win. There's good wins in conference that we still can get, you know, series against Michigan and such like that going forward. Let's make sure we can get those. Uh, yeah, our, our weekend pitching staff has been great in conference. Great. I, I can't complain at anything about their performance so far. I mean, God, they've just been outstanding. I, I, I am a little 
worried, I guess, about that that midweek performance. You know, I don't expect it to be, you know, outstanding. The pitching's always going to be questionable in those times. I mean, Lundsman was starting today for the first time, really, in what? When's the last time he started a game? Over a year ago, or, or give or take? He might have started early in the season. He was supposed to move to the starting rotation, but that just hasn't happened. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I'm not expecting a ton out of that. I, what, what concerned me more has just been the offensive output in these last couple, you know, midweek games, because we should be going up against, you know, other teams midweek pitching as well. That's right. So we should be generating more than we did. We left a lot of guys on base today. I think we had, what, 16 base runners and got yeah. no runs out of it. I mean... You've got to do a little better execute. than that, especially given that the the teams we're playing in these midweek games are slightly, you know, nothing against you know the Big Ten opponents we played so far, but they're clearly lower end Big Ten teams, teams we should be beating, should be sweeping them, you know, in most cases. When you're playing the Creightons and the K States, yeah, you know, they're going to be more challenging, but we should be playing. I'd like to see us be playing better against those teams, turning out better yeah. offense than we have been. That's that's been my concern with some of these midweek yeah. games. So time to turn it around yet. We have UNO tomorrow night, and then Creighton next week, I believe, again. So Creighton, that'll be important because they are a, a top 20 RPI team, and so we want to rack up those wins as much as, as possible. So we'll see. I, I, the pitching staff has been much better than expected. Offensively, I'm concerned too, but this is a, it's an amazingly young team here. We have guys like Schwellenbach, who's now back, and Cam Chick, and and a lot of these guys are, are relatively young. So... Um, I think this team is going to be good enough to make the NCAA tournament again. Can they make any noise in it or actually have a high enough of an RPI to actually host? I, I don't know. That's a lot of work to get done over the next few weeks. But they do have a lot of opportunities ahead of them because they have uh, Iowa this weekend, who's a top 100 RPI team on the road. And then you have, let's see, you have, I don't know if I have the order correct, but you have Illinois, Illinois Northwestern, Arizona Northwestern, State, and yeah. Michigan. You finished strong at all, home, so. Mm-hmm. All within uh, top 100 and three of those and, four at And home. very specifically, Dave, with that Illinois, Arizona State, and Michigan uh, series, those three, I think it was Kendall Rogers with D1 Baseball, he had mentioned that if Nebraska can literally sweep those three, I mean, that was the extent of what he was talking about. It wasn't just can Nebraska make a regional it was if, if we can sweep those three, if we can have a lot of success finishing up this season, we could be a top 16 seed. That was the point that he was making in that yeah. one chat the other day on D- D1Baseball.com. Now, obviously, a game like tonight, losing to K-State, that doesn't help. But doesn't help. the potential is there. This team's got to keep doing what it did last weekend against Penn State. It's got to do what it did two weekends ago against Purdue. It needs to keep up that kind of streak. But it, it the potential is to do more than just make a – make a regional this this team could potentially find its way even in that top 16 if it if it can pull off a lot of wins yeah if we would do that if we would do that we would highly likely win the big 10 regular season crown for the second time in three years and we probably would have an rpi in the low 20s to even into the teens and at that point yeah if we're that high of an RPI and a conference champion, I think you could see us as a, as a top 16 t- seed, which would mean a host at a regional. That's yep. what we want, right? I mean, Honky has asked me this question every single year at baseball. Dave, will Nebraska host? And I, I tell him no. But that that would be a scenario where I could say yes, because uh, typically you need to be in the in the top 16 RPI almost to be a host, but they're going to find exceptions for 
for geographic equity like a Big Ten team or um, other Northern League teams. And so I, I think we probably would have a good shot if we're a low 20s RPI and a conference champion. So it, it's out there. They just yep. got to win a lot of games. All right. We'll talk more about baseball as this warms up. I think this series versus Iowa is another important one because Iowa doesn't have uh, a stellar record, but their RPIs are RPIs, uh, pretty decent. So let's go there to Dwayne Banks Field and sweep them again. That's right. All right, boys, so let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky. Well, I want to congratulate the Husker football coaches on another great-looking recruiting class this year. With Wednesday's signing date coming, the Huskers have filled most of their immediate needs. The Huskers will continue to dominate football on a consistent basis with this new class of freshmen. And what you are hearing is uh, voices from the grandstand from February 2nd, 1999, from Matt Honky from Lincoln, Nebraska. That uh, is something... That's a, a <laughs> copy that my parents sent me. Apparently, they've kept it at the house. Uh, this is how you used to get your information back before 24-7 and Rivals and Scout and all those good things. Yeah, podcast. So, um, yeah, you know, apparently, you know, I had a, I had a future of talking about Huskers and, and recruiting and all that, even way back in, in the late 90s. And with We're going to continue to dominate. Yeah, we continue to dominate from 99 <laughs> on. So. I knew exactly what I was talking about. So, anyways, thanks, Mom and Dad, for the uh, the voice from the grandstand uh, copy there. And, uh, yeah, my projections are probably just top. Yeah. Mac, what I'll, do you I'll got keep it me? with a 90s theme and just uh, welcome Tiger Woods back to the uh, championship <laughs> circle. What a fantastic weekend that was. We got a little spring ball, and then Tiger Woods makes the charge. I couldn't believe that. It was uh, It was such a flashback to see him coming up with the mock red turtle and uh, it, was, it was a fun weekend, man. It was a good sports weekend, and I, I feel like that's a it, it's a it's foreshadowing to another '90s return. So I'm very excited. A good omen, yeah, if you I, will. Who tweeted that out? It was it was funny because they were like, you know, there's like no correlation whatsoever. But let's just go ahead and say just because Tiger, you know, won in '97 and Nebraska won in '97 or I'm whatever. It. I'm yeah. with it. Good stuff. The math checks yeah. out. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Boomer. Uh, well, I just want to uh, note that uh, Bill Moose in one of his radio interviews said in the uh, Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame that they'll be uh, welcoming two pioneers to the uh, to the Nebraska Hall of Fame there. And uh, Bill, I know we've had this talk before. If uh, one of them isn't Jumbo Steam and one isn't the Baron, we're gonna have to have some words. So, <laughs> if, if anything, let's let's get together for lunch this week to discuss it, or maybe a breakfast I can pencil you in for. So just get with my people. Maybe a piece of pie. We could do that, beer. too. Yeah, pie, cheesecake, yeah. whatever. Whatever you want, Bill. <laughs> yeah. We can invite uh, Doc, too, for Diet Mountain Dew. He's not busy. So. <laughs> no, not very true. All right, good stuff, guys, good stuff. Let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. Here we are. Hey, do you want to know?